I'm really glad to be joined today by my former colleagues, uh, Ari Trujillo-Wessler and Emily Del Beccaro, uh, to talk about their new company, Open Field. Thanks, Ari and Emily, for, for coming on today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So I, I'm, I'm so interested in what you're doing with Open Field. I'm familiar with another organization you've both been involved with, Knock Every Door. Can you tell uh, our listeners a bit about what, uh, what you're up to, what, what Knock Every Door is and the philosophy behind it and, and how you came to, uh, to start this new company? Uh, yeah, so we actually weren't involved with Knock Every Door itself. Um, we were we were friend, we're deeply connected to those folks though, okay. um, who who were leading that project. Um, so yeah, and like and hopefully I'm not misspeaking about about the work they were leading. Um, we actually met up a lot of that team, a lot of the origins of that, and like a lot of the organizing projects you see going on, like Movement School and things like that, kind of originated from a lot of the Bernie 2016 team. Um, and particularly the distributed organizing folks and a bunch of those folks are leading in 2020 again now. Um, but the big premise behind Knock Every Door was if we don't leave any any place unconceded, right? If we're actually willing, particularly as the progressive left, to invest in knocking in Wyoming as much as we're willing to knock in Fresno and Modesto, as much as we're willing to knock in Oakland and LA. We believe that there's power to transform the country through having conversations with people. And one of the challenges that that team that was leading that, and I remember having conversations with folks at the time um, about like what tech can support that model. I think they ended up using Jehovah's Witness door knocking tech. Um, right. I heard about that. For yeah. a while, because there just wasn't anything else that let you do that. Um, one of the key challenges is, is that if you're not trying to only organize folks who are already registered on the voter file and they don't already live where they're registered on the voter file, there's basically no tools available for you. Um, and Knock Redor really ran into that challenge. And, you know, there are a bunch of really scrappy tech savvy organizers there. So they found something that worked for them. Um, but it's not something that's unique to Knock Every Door. It's actually really common for a lot of folks like Black Voters Matter as an example, is trying to knock every single black door in the deep south this cycle, um, as well as like a, a few other states as well. And it's not really possible to do things like walk over to folks who just recently got the right to vote restored in Mississippi if you're using the voter file itself. Um, it's kind of chicken before the egg. Um, and so we really built open field to allow folks to have to kind of do two things. One is to have real organizing conversations with the folks they encounter and for them to be able to have organizing conversations with everyone they encounter, not just folks that are already registered to vote. Now, I'm familiar with an app coming out of the Ocasio-Cortez campaign for the same reason that they found it hard uh, using traditional voter file file based tools to uh, expand the electorate in the way they wanted. There seems to be kind of a, a resurgence of progressive tech um, or perhaps growth like we've never seen before. Is, is that what you're experiencing? How did you come to, to say, you know, we're going to build this ourselves uh, rather than, you know, use something uh, that was already out there or consult on a method? Like you're creating a product, right, that people can mm -hmm. subscribe to? Yeah, yeah. And so we weren't trying to be tech founders. That wasn't like really <laughs> the goal of what we were setting out to do. It really kind of came to a head. I was uh, working with a grassroots organization in Santa Rosa called the North Bay Organizing Project. Um, and we were organizing around affordable housing, which was already a huge problem in Santa Rosa and most of the Bay Area uh, before the campfires. And then after the campfire, we saw that our, like, like the voter file wasn't perfect already. Um, but in Santa Rosa, we had about 70% reliability. 
And after mm. the campfire, that dropped to about 30% reliability. Wow. Um, and because there was just such massive displacement in the town. And the big problem that we saw was not only was the voter file radically unreliable, it, but also the style of conversation we were having. We were asking folks like, because we were like a grassroots organizing hub, we were simultaneously like connecting folks to aid programs as well as connecting them to like emotional support and healing networks as well as trying to help folks figure out what was going on with housing as well as trying to do integrated voter engagement like later on in the cycle and trying to advocate for rent control. And so we we're having like a, a series of conversations with folks um, that were not just your typical one through five scale support conversations. Right. Um, and we lost so much data because we couldn't capture any of the things we were learning. Um, and I have enough institutional privilege that I got to like walk around to my other friends in, in organizing tech and be like, hey, can I store searchable notes? Like, can I actually take big, juicy, open-ended notes questions and store them in from organizing conversations? And basically everybody told me no, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that that was like not a thing they were working on or not a thing they were interested in working on. And most people told me it was too hard to solve. Um, and I don't like being told no. Um, <laughs> um, and so uh, figured if I could search, if I could search every single message I'd ever set in Slack, that I should be able to search all of the notes from organizing conversations I had. And so we built a prototype for the North Bay Organizing Project uh, started working that out and then Emily and I talked about it and decided to form a company because we realized as I was walking to and talking to other folks in organizing trying to find out who else has tried to solve this problem like Planned Parenthood, folks at the Equality Federation, people who are doing deep canvassing work like I talked to a bunch of different people and nobody had a solution and they're like if you have anything if you find anything tell me what you come up with and when I came back and I was like we decided to make this thing called Open Field they were like cool, that's helpful. People need this. Um, and so we just kind of stumbled into a market and we also just stumbled into the fact that we had already kind of built a prototype of the tech itself that was, that was working for a small local use case. And it seems like the style of work for rural grassroots long-term organizing is actually really scalable to a lot of folks across the movement. Wow, that's great. Can, I, I know that, um, I'm remembering that that problem of searching notes. I think that uh, at least when we worked together at Nation Builder several years ago, you couldn't search notes there, mm -hmm. um, even though and and that is one of the things. It's like if you're having ongoing conversations, if you're canvassing a neighborhood, and also if you're trying to change folks' minds, it's really important uh, those freeform conversations, not just mm -hmm. the top issue. Like so much of canvassing is a volume game that lacks nuance. Do you think that this is going to be a, a big tool for campaigns or do you see it more as a tool for organizers who are doing like more longitudinal work, you know, year after year in, in the same communities? Yeah, we're, we're seeing that there are some campaigns, particularly folks who are like working in turf where you have to earn the right to organize folks in order to like shift the electorate and shift who's participating in the electorate. So we're seeing mm -hmm. some like, like some like local insurgent campaigns who are, who are kind of bought into it. And we're excited to like work with those folks. But most of the folks that we're working with are folks who are organizing year round, right? And they're loyal to their communities and they're working on a bevy of different issues. And so a lot of them are working on, as an example, going from census work to talking about the primary, to talking about local legislation, to talking about voter registration, to talking about general election turnout, to then right. talking about working with the folks that get in government about actually producing good policy. Um, and we have found that those folks who are also trying to transform 
not just who participates in democracy at the ballot box, but participates in democracy throughout the continuancy of it, um, are actually much more of the folks that we ended up working with, um, which is rad because most of them already have these style of conversations, right? They already ask people what matters to you, what issues are most important to you, what problems do you have with your housing, with your work, right? Um, right most of those folks already have that style of organizing, but they lose most of the data they collect, um, which leaves folks at a disadvantage because we have organizing tech that doesn't support the style of organizing we know is most powerful. Open Field is, is launching uh, later this month, is that so? Yeah, 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 it's very soon. Wow, um, congratulations. Our, our, our public launch is February 3rd, actually, okay. which is very okay. exciting. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, like specific features and how people use this? Like, is it a, it's a, a mobile app, I'm guessing, or, or a mobile yeah. web? Yeah, so it's, it's a web app, um, mm -hmm. and we're building offline functionality into it. Um, but basically, we found that one of the big gaps in, in organizing tech is that we build things to work on brand new iPhones, but most right. of our canvassers have like bricks. Um, and so we made it so that folks didn't have to download an app at all in order to start. Um, you can uh, check out Turf yourself. Um, so literally, you put in your address. Uh, we live under this idea of one conversation code links to one script and one list. And that list can be the entire state of California, the entire state of New Mexico, or it can be across multiple states. And we auto turf cut. Uh, turf for folks and they actually allow uh, organizers to actually check out turf themselves remotely from their turf um, which is like a huge bottleneck in launching oh you they can check out instead of having to show up and get assignments mm -hmm. yeah. yeah exactly um, and it also means like if you and I are out on doors and you crush your turf and you need more doors because you just you got that Jones feeling you can absolutely just like check it out yourself if I'm doing um, one of those contests for who can hit the most doors in one exactly, day. Exactly, exactly, right? Or yeah. even if the instance that you end up finding a bunch of folks that weren't originally in your turf that you end up wanting to talk to, um, you can add folks as you encounter them. You can search for people as you run into them. Um, and also, one of the things that's really important for us is because we're based around not a voter file, but an address file, um, if you run into people, doors, anything like that as you're out, you can just add them as you're out there. And the final thing that's really important for us is that not only can you take those juicy open-ended notes questions, you can capture those, um, but you can actually see the history of them on a person's profile as well. You can search your own notes from like when you're out in the field. So when you're like trying to go to like somebody's neighborhood and you're like, ah, I know this person is like a union organizer from this place and I remember writing it down, but I don't remember their name, that you can actually like search for that note that you wrote. Um, and OpenField will pull that up for you. On the back end, we've built a lot of analytics in um, so that folks can learn from the results of those open-ended notes fields. So we use natural language processing to build uh, thematic word clouds for folks in real time. So you can see, like, if you're asking people what issues are important to them, you can see, like, size corresponds to frequency, like, how many people are saying rent, how many people are saying Medicare for all, how many people are saying student loan debt. Um, so you can actually see those trends over time, and you can actually dig into, like, who's actually saying what based upon where they live um, so that folks can have the richness of those organizing conversations and still be able to take like the list of everyone who said rent was important to them and port it back into a different CRM if that's the thing that they need. Awesome. And there's like a lot of stuff going on in the presidential race right now that people see as like huge advertising spend, for example, like um, I was, I was, talking with someone from ActTV earlier today about uh, Bloomberg's ads and how, uh, you know, folks are saying he's advertising in Puerto Rico. And then there's acronym, which is keeping up a, a weekly tab of how much people are spending on digital. Um, what is it about field that's so important and, and, and what is the change 
that you that you want to see through the introduction of open field i think that digital is really important um, but i think it's really good at moving folks who are already kind of with you and like getting them to take an action that already exists okay. i think field is really critical for doing what bob moses um who's an organizing director with with snick to describe like what we call earning the right to organize people um so for folks who don't know why they should vote like why should they bother right the system's never worked for us before why would i bother wasting my time with this now when i've got like two kids and three jobs and right and this is like a hundred million people in the last presidential election yeah so for those people right when you look at our democracy the fundamental failing of the promise of our democracy is like access to participation first and then actual participation second and so the only way in which we're actually going to end up with a democracy that's reflective of the people who live here and of the people who are most marginalized and underrepresented in all of our power structures from literally any issue you can look at from whether it's medicare for all student loan debt or prison reform um, all of it end to end the thing is is that for the folks that are most impacted we have to hear them out and they have to trust us that we aren't just here to get their vote and leave. Because we have found that that sort of extractive organizing has its impact and that people actually have a fallback effect um, where they actually are less likely to participate the next time. Um, and that's not what we need. We need to transform non-voters into voters, right? Like that's, that's the margin of victory for AOC. That's the margin of victory for Barack Obama in 08 and in 12. It's the margin of victory for pretty much every step forward we've had in terms of any form of representation and so field is really critical because in in when there's like there's fake news there's like russian bots right there's misinformation there's the information silos there's social media juggernauts controlling how much people get access to like opposing worldviews if at all um, we have found that the only thing that breaks is the signal through the noise is one person connecting to another person um, and there's been a lot of studies particularly about deep canvassing um, the core framework of which really is built around like listening to people, reflecting the thing that you heard from them, and then connecting that back to the issues they say are important to them. But that core framework of listening and then connection is is more likely to persuade people. It's nine times more persuasive than any other method we have. Um, whether you're trying to move folks from being non-voters to voters, if you're trying to move people who are not supporters of something to being supportive of something. Um, and so if we want to win, we have to connect to people. And that needs to be alongside all of those other things that are happening in terms of like digital and media um, and that narrative work. Right. I always, I'm always saying that if the, if the left could get its field and uh, kind of advertising game strong at the same time, it'd be unstoppable because I think you do really good work. I, I guess on the right, they're, they're doing similar work like through the evangelical movement, through churches. The left is doing it through unions. but you were talking about the um, the concept of like earning the right to organize a community. I remember when Acorn was active, they would start like say they wanted to work on tenants' rights, but they might start with like uh, a stop sign or an intersection or a particular apartment that you know where someone couldn't get their needs met, and then work to meet those needs and then kind of escalate from uh, this, you know, simple real world need where they could get a victory and then escalate that to maybe a bigger policy issue where folks who got involved around those immediate needs will then come along and, you know, whether it's, it's protest or petition or, you know, speak in public comment, public testimony. Is, is that kind of what you're, you're talking about? Because that's a, 
a concept that sounds familiar, but I haven't, I, I haven't been exposed to it before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the, the, the siblings of the acorn model live in ACE, right. And the actions that are happening mm-hmm. in Oakland right now with moms for housing is a really great example of that model. Okay. Um, the particular model I'm describing actually kind of is, is actually older than that. Um, it kind of goes back to like that Alinsky style agitational conversation thing where it's like you sit in somebody's living room and you ask them what's going on with them. And you eventually over a series of court conversations are able to connect the everyday, what um, I think Carville calls like the kitchen table politics, right? To these larger systemic concerns, right? And so every single conversation, every single action builds a tie to systemic injustice. And then also builds like not just leadership and capacity as you have like increasing acts and actions, but also shows that you care, right? Like I didn't just knock on your door one time and ask you to vote for me. I knocked on your door and I asked you what mattered to you. And the next time I came back, I remembered that you told me your son had asthma and that, you know, you're struggling to pay your rent and that you have to make a decision between your own diabetes medication every month and the electric bill, right? And I remembered those things. And the next time I come to talk to you, I talk to you about why Medicare for all is a great idea. Um, And about like, here's this thing that we can do here locally, here and now in order to make like this, make it easier for your son to get his asthma medication every single month, right? Or tying the asthma rates at your kid's school to environmental justice, right? Actually having that follow-up conversation and then making an ask of someone is something that was like really, really key to the freedom movement in the 1960s in the deep South in terms of actually getting folks who had been historically locked out and disenfranchised actually to get the right to vote in the first place. Um, but also was like key to like union organizing at the turn of the century, as well as like all of the tenant organizing that Alinsky was like a really big steward of. Um, and so this stuff goes deep with us when we're actually working generationally, we're actually focusing on our communities long-term when we're here, not just for this fight, for, for every fight, um, and are willing to tie them together. That style of organizing has been happening for a really long time, but because it's not is easily measurable in part because there's not tech to support it. It's not championed as much. It's not as much known. And unfortunately, it's also not as well funded, um, even though it's the work that is actually the thing that builds the margin of victory that you need time and time again to do things like transform who is like the governor of Wisconsin, like with the fight that Block was doing in Milwaukee. Um, that's the sort of thing that's necessary. But we often don't talk about it as prominently as we talk about the things that are easier to do, like just build a big volume of phone calls that just ask one question. Uh, Emily, I want to ask you a, a question. I know you have a lot of experience working with the, the voter file. It's it's something I think that a lot of people don't realize is that one of the issues we have with voter records uh, and one of the factors I think that uh, Republicans appeal to when they do these uh, these voter file purges or when they support them is because there's no true national voter file, each state and, and, and subsidiaries of states like counties are uh, compiling their own files and keeping those records. Um, and it's, it becomes a massive technical challenge. So you've had that experience dealing with that technical challenge of, you know, who is the real voter, where are they at? And this style uh, of, of tool turns that on its head because it's more about who is this person and then how do they connect back to me rather than starting with that list. But w- what have been some of your favorite uh, challenges or victories in, in working on this product? 
Yeah, so um, it is a complete kind of flip to what I had previously done, um, which was all based on voter file. Do we have the correct information and then go from there to build onto it? There are still some of our groups who do bring their file with them as kind of their base to learn on. Um, but what we're seeing now is that we're working with groups, which I think for me is very exciting, that are coming and just using an address file and saying, we are going to build our list from who we encounter in the community and who we are talking to. Um, and kind of going that route as opposed to kind of the opposite of that and starting with kind of a profile of someone and, and assuming maybe they know some information about them or, you know, we all have in van, you know, our propensity to vote score and kind of which way we lean, but they're starting at kind of the opposite of that and saying, you know, what, I'm going to go talk to you and just see, you know, who you are, will you talk to me and kind of what is important to you, like Ari was saying, kind of doing that opposite and just saying, because I don't have any names on my list, I need to talk to everybody. So I'm going to go to this neighborhood and knock on every single door that's there. It's kind of more represent more representative of who is actually in your community and who you're talking to. And that for me has kind of been the most exciting thing as opposed to just using that base voter file. Awesome. Yeah, it, it, it was so crazy with the Ocasio-Cortez race, how they were able to just dramatically like double digit increase in voter turnout in the primary that's normally really only the, the folks who are most tuned in. And I like, Ari, what you said about the uh, like digital and other forms of advertising, like kind of confirming things for the, for the base, like letting people know what's going on and to move someone who's maybe never voted or hasn't voted in several years or has had problems with their voting status, uh, much more engagement is required. And uh, I, I, I like, uh, you know, accountability is good, I think, because this is going to help people be more effective in their canvases when they have that data at their fingertips. I've always loved like the ability to search, you know, for their past conversation history. It's like one thing I love about, about Twitter and being able to do that at doors. Now it's just incumbent on everyone to actually hit the doors frequently enough that, that they get that, that data. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think the thing that's coolest about having the notes themselves and being able to be like, what issues are important to you? Is that um, I'm reminded of this um, this organizing story of like the Young Lords that were like a radical uh, Puerto Rican group in uh, the 70s. And they originally got together and they were like, great, we're going to do, you know, here are the issues that we think are most important. It's like policing and the cops and, and the drug dealers and these are the things. And they had a community summit and everybody was like, we need you to take out the trash. Right. Like, and it's like, you know, we, we still have a version of that now. Right. Like we, we show up in, and this is true with the North Bay organizing project. We went around knocking on doors, talking about rent control. And the biggest thing that we heard that we weren't expecting was people talking about like basic infrastructure, like an absence of sidewalks, um, mm. particularly in the communities of color and about how unsafe it was for kids to walk from school and how stressful that was for, for these parents um, who were just trying to get through a regular every day and like an absence of like street lights and things like that. And that's absolutely tied to the same systemic injustices that go with like a lack of access to safe, affordable housing. Um, and that wasn't the thing we were there. That was not the question we were asking, but it was the thing we kept hearing. And so we're able to actually show up for those folks. We're still going to work on rent control, absolutely. Um, but we're now able to have a different conversation with those folks like, here's who the person is who's responsible for streetlights. Um, actually, here's the person who's responsible for sidewalks in this part of town. Um, and we're able to follow up with people and help them have, like, and not just have, help them have the experience being heard, but we actually heard them. Um, it really changes how they think about that next conversation with us. Um, right. And it really changes how they respond when we actually do ask them to do something as opposed to most organizations I feel like show up 
and campaigns in particular show up and they're just bad relationships. They just show up asking for something and they don't right. provide anything. Right. Um, and there's a lot of the best organizing shows up and it is like a good, healthy relationship. We listen first, we hear first, we show up and we, it's clear we heard you. Um, and so the easier we can make that work for people, um, I think the better our democracy will eventually be for all of it and the better the movement will be. I think to piggyback off of what Ari's saying, it's the ability to be flexible. So a lot of the tools that were kind of available to all of us, you know, over the last 15, 20 years have been, haven't been flexible in when you do show up at that door and somebody wants to talk about a different issue or you knock on a door and the a person who's not on your list answers. We haven't in the past had the ability to actually record that conversation um, or kind of pivot to a different issue. Um, and I think that that, you know, makes that person not feel heard because they're saying, well, I want to talk to you about this. This is what's important to me. And we're sitting here saying, you could talk to me about it, but I'm not going to be able to record it or I'm not going to be able to actually forward this on to anybody. Um, and being able to kind of be flexible in your space and be you know, be able to be reactionary to these folks and say, okay, you, this, you know, rent's important to you. So I'm going to actually talk to you about that. Um, and actually be able to take an action on it is, is huge. So not just the notes, but, but being able to kind of pivot when somebody brings something up um, that you maybe weren't expecting. Where can uh, folks find out more about open field and, and this kind of canvassing? If folks want to learn more about open field, we're at openfield.ai. Um, and we'll be launching on the third and we'll be sharing articles and stuff about the work that deep canvassing is doing about different styles of organizing um, that folks can play with. And a lot of folks have already been doing alongside showing you things about our product. So yeah, come check us out. And I was going to ask if you, uh, did you come up through Higher Ground Labs to, to help launch the company? Because we're talking to someone who's supported by Higher Grounds next yeah. week too. Yes. Um, we are. So we, uh, <clears throat> Ari and I sat down last December to uh, a little over a year ago. And the idea of Open Field kind of came out. We applied for Higher Ground Labs, which is an accelerator that funds um, tech in the progressive space. And their kind of basis of it is, you know, like Reach built this tool inside of a campaign. And usually that's where the tech dies. Um, and then every cycle we're trying to rebuild things, but their model is we need to support this ecosystem on year, off year, and consistently so that we do not lose this tech, that we do not lose the information in it. Yeah. Um, and so that we went through their accelerator. Highly, yeah. highly recommend. Yeah. I, I just want to do a quick plug for Higher Ground Labs. I am not a capitalist and I don't know. And I'm really, it's really odd that I'm <laughs> in business. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and HGL was really incredible because they looked at us as organizers of tech experience um, who didn't know how to run a business and were like, let us give you like a crash course. MBA so that you can also figure out how to run your business on terms that feel aligned with your values, feel aligned with the movement and don't compromise the thing that you're trying to do. Um, and I feel like it's fair to say, like we would not be in the place that we are currently without their support. Um, and so we're really, really grateful to them, but also want to encourage folks if they're like, I have an idea and you've got an ability to pull something together. Um, and if you're an organizer and you believe in your work, like check them out. Um, they're, they're an amazing resource and they're opening up stuff for their uh, 2020 cohort in the next few months. So, yeah. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm so inspired and, and I guess proud of you both. I, huge congratulations on making this happen. Thank you Very for much. having us. 
that was a great conversation with Ari and Emily. And uh, so I don't want to take up too much uh, time with anything else. But I did have one story that I wanted to flag from Slate. And we'll, we'll include this in our show notes. Uh, it is uh, about the 30 most evil companies uh, in, in tech. And I think it's a global list. It's called the evil list. Uh, and and uh, it's, they, they kind of went to experts and got feedback on these different companies and what they've done and how they're impacting the world. And um, I don't think that, uh, I guess, guess Matt, which, uh, which three companies are at the top of the most evil list? Oh, I'm afraid to try to guess. Um, well, is Boeing on the list? <laughs> Boeing is, no, this is only uh, technology oh, companies, tech companies, not munitions. Okay. Yeah, okay. not, not the 30 most out. evil. I'll, yeah, Boeing is probably. I'll edit that out. Um, at, at least uh, uh, it's, Boeing is not Northrop Grumman. Like, Boeing mm-hmm. at least has, has a legit aircraft business, not just the weapons side. Uh, so Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Google. Uh, very close. Uh, we got Amazon in there and, and oh, there's sure. a debate, um, over, uh, whether Amazon or Facebook deserves number one and, and folks will have to read the article to find out, uh, which one, uh, I got that distinction. All right. Well, we will link the article to our show notes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, what, what else do you have to say about the article? Uh, no, I think that's all I wanted to say. I, and I, I wanted to take a minute to do a, a tech segment uh, talking about uh, Facebook advertising. We uh, nag on these companies a lot, uh, but I do continue to believe that, that Facebook advertising is really powerful for political campaigns and that progressives need to do it well, um, in big part because we usually have less resources. So I wanted to talk about two um, strategies that are enabled through uh, Facebook ads with a tool called Action Sprout. Um, Action Sprout is is a client of my um, consulting firm. I do uh, training and and candidate support with them, and actually host a, a full online training community that folks can find out more about. Uh, you can you can find out more about it at adrielhampton.com, and there's like a link to join it for folks doing uh, campaign work. One of the things you can do with Action Sprout and Facebook ads. And you can do this without Action Sprout too. It just makes it easier to launch uh, ads. Um, is uh, seeding, preceding the area you're going to canvas. So whether you're using a tool like Open Field or uh, the the minivan app uh, that goes off the voter file for Democrats, um, you're going to go out there and you're going to start knocking on doors. But what if first you could advertise to that neighborhood? Uh, and you advertise on a topic that either you know from past canvases is important, or you know from polling is important, you know from your own research, um, or you want to test the waters and let people know what you think. You could also uh, precede that canvas with uh, like a short introductory video about the candidate and their issues um, and uh, target it at least a week in advance of the canvas so that when you go door to door, people are already uh, primed to hear about that candidate and they're not coming out of the blue. Um, so that's, that's one strategy and it's as simple as, uh, as, as launching uh, an ad uh, and picking the neighborhood uh, uh, in Action Sprout. If you're doing it in Facebook, some neighborhoods are supported, but a lot of your work will be like zip code and proximity based uh, when you're targeting in, in the Facebook ads interface. 
So the second kind of Facebook advertising uh, that I think is really beneficial, and again, I, I use Action Sprout to launch these multivariate ads. And multivariate is just your, you've got different variables on your ads. Instead of giving one person, excuse me, one ad to everyone, you might try five different stories, news stories about five different issues that are important to you. And then you target those to five different audiences. Uh, and these audiences uh, might be ideological, uh, they might be demographic, and they might be geographic. But typically, when I'm doing message testing, I want it to be like ideological differences. So I'll, I'll target like environmentalists, and I'll target people who are more interested in liberal to progressive thought. Uh, and then I might do some demographics as well, like uh, older women, uh, younger women. Uh, and then I might try something like, like uh, English as a second language. By having several different audiences and several different messages, you can then, uh, after just a few days of spending, once about 500 people have interacted with your ad, uh, you can determine which of these is most uh, effective. It's real time. It's a, a microcosm. You're finding these, uh, you know, 500 people who fit your your demographic or your ideological target, and you know which of these five issues is resonating best uh, with them. And then you can target, train uh, your other messaging around that. Um, so that's, those are things I wanted to share. It's the kind of stuff that we cover uh, in my training network. Uh, again, you can uh, find that, that resource uh, through adrielhampton.com. <laughs> <laughs>